0: Hello, it's Shahid here. Just a reminder, our award show is now open and the first final deadline is the 11th of March. So please don't miss out on that. And if you do enjoy listening to these podcasts, please do hit the follow or subscribe button right now. And if you have an extra spare 10 seconds, please do give us a review and a rating. And just to also say that we are completely heartbroken by what's going on right now in Ukraine and our prayers for peace are with you this podcast was a huge amount of fun to record. Dave Hunt has been on before. And I think what I really get from Dave every time I speak to him is that anything is possible, even when you're starting from absolutely nothing. Um, I do hope you find this as inspirational as I did. I really hope you enjoy it as much as I did recording it. Enjoy. Well, hello everyone. It's Shahid here from the Cradle Floor, and welcome back to another podcast. Absolutely delighted today to bring you the founder of The Considered, Mr. David Hunt. Hello, Dave.
1: Hey, Shahid. How's it going?
0: Hi. Right. Right. So I'm in a uh, nice grey London, and you're still in sunny LA, I guess.
1: Yeah, but it's also six in the morning, so it's pitch dark.
0: Oh, is it? Oh, oh, it's six. oh God, yeah. Wow, well, I'm surprised. Just, just actually awake. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm playing the sympathy card there. Well, it doesn't sound like you've just woken up, so you're you're clearly an early bird, like me, I guess. Yeah, very much. Uh, Maybe. Cool. Well, every anyone who listens to these podcasts probably remembers that you joined us last year anyone who hasn't listened to it go check out diary of an ex-ceo and it was a wonderful podcast episode i massively enjoyed it and our audience really really resonated with it with the amount of messages and comments that we had on it and you basically shared your journey of how you started out in in the industry to memory i think you started out painting the office (laughs) you went to you were you were the boy collecting everyone's lunch i think you said you went Correct me if I am wrong here. I remember really random things, and I haven't I haven't listened to the podcast in a year. But you got the the chips from McDonald's and the burgers from Burger King. Was that right? <laughs> that was, I mean, that's well was that order, <laughs>
1: right? You obviously know where to do the best French fries. <laughs> um, that's
0: correct. Yeah, do not I was surprised. I prefer Burger King chips or fries, but anyway, yeah, whatever works. Then you kind of bought into the agency that you're at, and then you ended up selling it to Havas and became extraordinarily successful. I think you then. Upgraded to Five Guys, something like that. And then you went over to uh, the States to become CEO of the Havas group over there. And then last year, remember you calling it a day and you went off to just think and take some time out. You set up an amazing clubhouse uh, called Health We Considered, which was Monday to Friday, three o'clock UK time. And you were just taking time to just meet people and just discover what was next for you? And then shortly after, you founded your own agency called The Considered, which looks hugely exciting. So we thought it was just really great to get you back on to sort of see what's next.
1: That is a very generous introduction, and I have to correct a couple of things. So you got are on, absolutely <laughs> right. You were absolutely right. I used to get the fries from McDonald's and the burger from Burger because it was early 2000s, and Burger King were doing that crazy coating thing at the time on the fries for those that remember. And the next thing was, I definitely wasn't the CEO of Havas when it came to US. I was the chief digital officer. Uh, and that, that, oh. was the role, that was the role I came over to do in, in Havas. So obviously the CEO, shareholder of Havas Links, but when it came to US, chief digital officer. Ah. So an important correction. The rest, though, was
0: perfect. See, see, I remembered the fries, but I just forgot the important stuff. Anyway, that's, that's how my mind works. That's no problem. That's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, D- Dave, I mean, look, we're in 2022. I think it feels like we're coming out of this pandemic, kind of, in the Western world. We're at a really interesting crossroads, right? The day that we're recording this, we could be on the verge of war with, with Russia and Ukraine. Uh, you know, Boris Johnson's turned number 10 into the Ministry of Sound during lockdown. It's sort of looking like we're heading for a potential recession, depression, massive inflation, you know, Afghans are selling their kidneys and their kids to eat. The whole world looks like it's just, someone's just throwing it up all in the air.
1: Why am I starting a new agency?
0: <laughs> Why are you starting a new agency? A lot of people listening to this would really love to know your perspective and also what's next and whatever like these you know what it's really interesting I'm going random now a lot of people when they get in touch with these podcasts they go what are the questions what's the format and i genuinely just tell them there is no format we just get on and we chat so <laughs> this is a proving point let's chat
1: <laughs> yeah so you, you mentioned a few things in there that i'm, I'm you know, not going to comment on in terms of you're more qualified than me to talk about party i still remember your linkedin post outside the doors number 10 um but I'm definitely happy to talk about you know, the second chapter and what we're trying to do in the, in the healthcare space. You're right, left of us last year and then set up a Health Reconsidered. And it's weird because I'm sure you're the same. Just worked at such a pace for 20 years that actually you almost never never kind of stop and think. And taking those sort of three to six months to listen to people that i would never heard of before and understand those different opinions and different perspectives was was really like quite inspiring and like super duper useful. And that allowed us to go, okay, you know, what is next? And I'd love to explain really, you know, why I would a do the considered one was as we're speaking about is the industry is is desperately, desperately in need of change in terms of how it builds brands, how it you know supports healthcare professionals and how it makes a difference to the lives of patients. So it was really, really in need of change. I felt a lot of the agencies almost don't, they have incredible people, like incredible, super talent people you and me work with all the time. And then I'm reflecting, going, do they have the time and the space to be the brilliant people like they can be? Or are we so always up against it on like core deliverables and core timelines that actually you never get to, to really think? And I'm sort of working through this process and I'm going, I'm absolutely convinced. I can create a culture or a way of working that actually allows us to stop being in the weeds of going detail aid, lead piece, website, and actually goes, there's a problem and there's a brief, and how best are we going to solve it? And, and and I feel like the industry over the years has gone a bit mad and become a little bit like almost a production line, quite commodity-based. And, and, and the people within it are amazing. And I'm there going... How can I unlock this brilliance and allow creative people to like be creative? So that 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 was like one of the thoughts. The other was going, you know, Creative Link started. Not many people know this, but started liking a house, and it was a semi-detached. And it went from a semi-detached to a detached, and then we kind of went into the house next door and, and the house at the back. And then it, and then it moved into a mill. And then it was like one mill. And then it was like two mills. And then it was three mills. But fundamentally, it was always kind of bricks and mortar. And a key component of that, um, you know, was was how you kind of built the culture. It was super duper important. But it also brings with it like a massive challenge that we're all aware of. And and I don't think there was a day I was in charge of a vast links when I didn't have a really serious recruitment need, where I wasn't going. How do I juggle a team I've got? And sort of try and maintain this little clients. And, and how do I find more talent? Like almost every day for about 15 years. And suddenly you going, maybe there's not like this like glass ceiling of a 50 mile radius of the office in terms of trying to bring talent. So so I've kind of got these two thoughts. I'm going, number one, how can we break the rules in how we're solving client briefs by generating thinking time and bringing you know, the best time together to solve bespoke problems rather than using the formula. And number two, you know, is there a different way than the, what I've done for the last 20 years? And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm sort of 42 this year. I, I was running a know, with an amazing team for 10, 15 years or whatever, and I felt kind of qualified to go, is there a different model and what can I take from all of those learnings to experiment and try and come up with a new way of doing it? And, and starting from a position of going, I don't really know, but I'm going to be more committed than anyone to the experimentation to try and unlock the best talent to solve these problems. How can we break the rules in terms of galvanizing and assembling the most incredible talent? And how can we break the rules in terms of shifting away from you know, the same SOW year after year, the same tactics year after year, and this notion of, of kind of rinse and repeat? So. Hopefully that sort of explains what we're trying to do. And then, yeah, I'm kind of quite happy to go into the success we've had and, and the new ways we're we're sort of finding to, to drive that success in, in
0: communications. So when you had your time out, your, your sort of three to six months, was there an inkling in the back of your mind that you were going to set something up? And you just, it was almost like this master plan of like, well, I'm just going to, you know, invite all these guests and just see who's who's fantastic and who I want to work with. Or was it a complete accident?
1: It was a little bit of both. You know, I, I, I was very lucky when I left Avast that, you know, I got a few offers and of, of different jobs, and they all sounded super interesting, and I was really kind of humbled by them. And I'm going through the process, and then, you know, at the same time, I'm, you know, also exploring this idea of going, I absolutely loved the agency I built. It was amazing. And I, one of the things I loved the most was the independence and the autonomy. And then as you sort of come to the back end of an acquisition, understandably that that slowly is, is diluted. I'm just going through the process. And I was having this interview with this brilliant, brilliant person. And he, he heads up, you know, a really big group. He's super successful. And I'm having this interview with him and talking about him, China away, And like, I get like halfway through this interview, and I'm going, I go, Yeah, I'm gonna decline this. And he's like, What are you talking about? <laughs> and I go, like, with the greatest respect, like I kind of want to be you as much as you know work for you like yeah. i'm looking to you and i'm listening to you and you know there's not many people at my age who've got my experience who, who could do what you're doing and you know and i, I say this with like I, i've learned loads of stuff i've been very very fortunate to be surrounded by incredible leaders why wouldn't i kind of back myself and and, and go on this journey and, and try and have this kind of second chapter um, so, yeah, so, so that, that was the journey. And, and yeah, of course, you know, I was getting increasingly inspired by the people I spoke to and, and I started to see the pieces falling into place and I started to see that we could be something different and that we could be independent and we could be autonomous and we could choose how we worked and we could experiment and we could be selective and thoughtful in the clients we worked with and the work we delivered. And it's going, kind of, you know, do you want to do that for the next 10 years with like incredible freedom? And the ability just to prioritise time and work—it's like, yeah, of course, <laughs> that—that's that, who I am, and that's what I want, and that's going to make me happy, and it's going to make the people around me happy. So, yeah, let's do this. Let's do the considered.
0: Yeah, because I, when I remember when you when when you announced it and all the PR around the agency, and of course I went to the website, and all of a sudden it said like you had fifty people. You know, you're a 50 person agency, and I was like, God, how did you do that? It's <laughs> <He's just> launched. <laughs> so, how, how did you do that? Yeah, it, it was. So, you, you know, if if you if you look at
1: the positions of a lot of agencies, you know, and and I've been there as well, I felt there's similarity in in what they say. I I feel like the, the different shades of the same thing in, in loads of way. And there's better ones and there's worse ones, but but they're all roughly speaking in in the same space. When you arrive at this idea of, of breaking the rules, it suddenly becomes really, really liberating. How do we break the rules of how you establish like a group and a group of agencies? And everyone knows this, that, that holding companies is almost part of the model. You, you buy an amazing agency, uh, amazing things happen. But over time, like inevitably, the founders, the entrepreneurs, the leaders, they, they're going to drift away. And, and that, that's just natural. You know, that's just who they are, and I'm sort of a proof point in that. So what I did, I went to some brilliant independent agencies that I knew really well, that I've known for years, who I have the greatest respect for. And I was saying to them, I go, you know, how would you feel if you could retain all your independence and retain all your uh, autonomy and continue to be the entrepreneurs you want to be, but also benefit from being part of a global group? And benefit from, you know, the global opportunities that represents, the global insights, sharing of best practice, common investment, and all the brilliant things, you know, I'd learned from Avast. And they're like, that sounds amazing. So we came up with, you know, a completely alternate structure to the holding company one. We broke the rules, other people did. And it allowed us to assemble this team of, of 50 plus on day one that were experts across creative strategy. Uh, digital health, social search, um, and then software and, and product design, and, and that, that's how we did it. So it, it was—I think—it was the idea we'd had, the platform we'd created, and then this, this potential for people to be involved in something much bigger than necessarily they were individually, but also retaining, which I think is so important, that, that independence and that autonomy because. Fundamentally, that's what I think delivers, that's what I know delivers best work.
0: And, and did you have any clients before you kicked off that um, you considered?
1: Yeah, so I, so I would say, and I've done lots of hard things in my, in my time, I think we all have, everyone has different challenges at different stages. If I would have done this in Europe, it would be completely different. You know, I'd be surrounded by clients I've worked with for 20 years. I would be within creative communities that I know super duper well, like friends and partners. But I chose to do this in the biggest market in the world, where I'm relatively unknown, where I'm still kind of building out those networks. I chose to do it when I was still sort of under my uh, non solicit, which expired on the 1st of January, uh, 2022. And I chose to do it in a pandemic. So, it was the single, like I think, the hardest thing, and, and the biggest thing in that w- was doing it in. a market. I mean, I've only been in the US like three or four years, so that 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 made it like super difficult. And and it was weird because all you want to do is is pick up the phone to those clients that you've worked with for ten or twenty years, and I have the greatest respect for Havas, um, and they were very generous in terms of the deal. So I had no intention, kind of, going through that, um, contravening it, but it meant that you had to start from scratch. So I had to start from, from zero relationships. But the incredible thing was, so, so typically we launch and, and the launch was really fun because um, you know, there, there was no media behind it. We're independent, so there was little or no budget behind it. And then suddenly in a week, we're the most spoke about agency in healthcare communications. And that's just through a bit of creativity, smart use of data and kind of social. And you know, It's kind of a proof point for breaking the rules. So we do this launch, and I say to the team, said, you know, we'll know how successful we are when the first you know, RFP lands. So we do the launch on the first week, and then Monday morning, first RFP lands. And it is incredible. It's like, it's like your dream RFP. And uh, we had to decline it because it was from a client that I, for, that I formerly knew. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so annoying. So, well, from, yeah, so Havas,
0: you know, from Havas?
1: It wasn't, yeah, exactly. It, no, obviously, it wasn't Havas, but it was from someone I'd worked with previously. So I, so I had to decline it, which was you know, 100% the right thing to do, 100% the right thing to do. Uh, but it was like, wow. Um, but it, what, the reason I tell you that is because it kind of illustrates the magnitude of the challenge that I kind of set myself um but yeah so we're you
0: know. Sorry, just to just to confirm so this is this is just your decision not to work with any clients that you've used to work with
1: it, it's part of my de- it was part of my deal but i'm but i'm but i'm certainly gonna you know respect it because it was a great partnership and i'm very grateful for everything they did but it was one of those where you're going like you've worked hard to do this launch and the first rfp that arrived is <laughs> <starts law. laughs> it, the client you can't work with so oh, like, man. yeah, yeah, exactly. But but I, I tell that story because because I just wanted to give you a sense of the magnitude of of what we were trying to achieve and, and and really trying to build the build the agency and build this group with all new, all new relationships. So we come to the end of the year, you know, which means we're kind of twelve weeks old, fifteen weeks old, and we had six new clients. And wow. and three of those, yeah, I know it's amazing. And three of those clients were big pharma. Three of them, super exciting, going to be huge, smaller organizations. But all of those were were from a a base level of zero with zero prior prior knowledge, zero prior relationships, absolutely a cold start. But all of it was generated because of the launch and the positioning and, and what we'd achieved through platforms like Health Reconsidered what we're doing in terms of the considered and breaking the rules so I I, I say this because
0: it couldn't have been more difficult you said a lot in terms of breaking the rules and you talk about this factory mentality that you know a lot of agencies can get themselves into how are clients responding to you when you're talking to them about you know giving yourselves the time and space to really think about whatever their problems are in a in the best way possible because most clients want everything yesterday but clearly you're you're still winning business so could you maybe just explore what they're saying to you about that and how they're allowing you to have that time and space how are you doing it
1: a couple of reasons one is I, i'm not convinced how efficiently you know agencies work um i think there's a huge amount of management involved there's there's lots of layers there's a lot of bureaucracy and there's there's a lot of process. And, and that's understandable. Like, I understand over the years, and I've done it myself, why you build some of those infrastructures. And I certainly understand why that's necessary in, in holding companies. The thing that I love now is we're just assembling small creative teams to tackle challenges. I, I think in the way other work, verticals, such as, say, product design, have kind of always worked so the advantage for me of of stepping off the hamster wheel was to really think and to really um have a lot of conversations and do loads of research and 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 i've said this before i don't think this would have been possible in my previous role because it was so much easier having a blank sheet of paper it was so much easier going what are we actually doing in this industry we want to get the best creative talent to solve you know the most challenging briefs that can have the most, the greatest impact. Like, how do you do that? And it, and it was so refreshing to go. I've got a blank sheet of paper. I've got twenty years' experience. Actually, how do we do that? Versus, have we evolved into this new way of working? So we've been able to bring a huge amount of efficiency. But the other thing that I'm finding, and I'm, I'm super comfortable with this, is. We're almost complementing AORs, do you know what I mean? So, because we totally recognize there are traditional mandatory components that need to be developed and delivered. And and I do, you know, I saw it it kind of firsthand. That's a really hard job. That's like super duper hard, you know, because of all the things you've just described. And that's why I say there's such incredible people working in these agencies and they're doing an incredible job. But that job is really, really hard and it is focused on some very sort of traditional and conventional items, which is almost like just a manifestation of the systems that we're all working. What I'm saying is, okay, let them do that because I understand why, but we'll come in and we can support with this like different perspective to complement it.
0: Amazing. So you've got six clients in the last, what did you say, the last 12 weeks?
1: Yeah, so we obviously we launched in September, and then we were very, very lucky. Had some great conversations. A lot of it came about through things like health reconsidered, you know, and having just made these great connections. And and suddenly, you know, one thing led to another, and and then you're in a process, and then you know you're working on these working on these projects. So, yeah, in in what is now probably fifteen weeks, we've established uh, six new clients, um, all from a standing start. It, it's it's really, really, really hard, like really, really hard, and also really, really rewarding and, and super duper enjoyable, whilst also being like challenging. So, but I'm also really glad I did it because when we were in the podcast before, I spoke about joining Creative Links when it was 25, 30, and I worked with the founder who was Stuart Wilson, who was incredible, you know, and, and learned so much from him. And we constantly had the debate of going, I'd be like, oh, my God, so hard to build an agency in 25, Stuart. You're an absolute rock star. And he'd go, you know, Dave, you've taken 100, you made 400. You're a rock star, well done. And we always had the debate around what was hardest. And, uh, you know, I speak to him all the time now. I'm like, Stuart, (laughs) just, you know, your bit was way the hardest. Um, But I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying, I'm really enjoying, I'm learning stuff every single day. You know, I've never been through this process before. I'm kind of piecing it together. I'm making mistakes. I'm experimenting. I'm learning. I'm getting stuff right. But I'm really, really enjoying that journey of starting an agency.
0: And I only have the greatest respect for anyone that's done it before. That's fantastic. I mean, it sounds, it is clearly very exciting. And it's, you know, it's been very fruitful at the same time, which is great, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's your perspective then on the creative process in terms of how you guys? would solve a problem. So I'm just trying to parallel the difference because I think we're all used to the classic agency model. You know, you've got account team, you've got planners, they'll write the brief, they'll chuck it over into, the, into Creative Art director and Copywriter, they do some ideas, they chuck it back over. It's, I, I personally think it's a bit of an archaic model, you know, <laughs> it's been outdated for a long time. What are you doing differently?
1: Well, one of the things that I learned, I, I kind of knew, but it was definitely echoed by Tom Richards, who's obviously amazing, is you've got to have enough time to fail, you know, when, when you're in the creative process, he failed a lot less than most, but you've got to have that, you've got to have that opportunity. Where I felt the world was going a little bit mad is when you looked at where the time was invested and you looked at how much of that time was invested in SOWs, administration, meetings, and all of those different things and versus how much time was invested in the creative. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely like crazy town. You know, the time should be in the creative, not in all the stuff that really is meant to be a facilitator or a platform. So that that was it wasn't even a eureka moment. I mean, it was just blindingly obvious. Um, and it was going right. How can we change that? But the other thing I find is briefs have started to come with like huge guardrails. So. It's almost like you know what you've got to deliver before you've tried to like solve the problem. So the brief is we need a X, Please go and work on it. And I feel really strongly the brief should be: here's the problem, and how are we gonna kind of solve that? And and ideas um product design at university, and a lot of my friends work in, in the product design space. And, and it's a completely different model. You know, you look at agencies like IDEO, and, and it really is geared around, let's identify a challenge, let's assemble the people who we think are best qualified to do that, and let's not give them kind of a, a predefined finish line. Let's see where they take it. I'll always remember, I saw a brilliant case study from them, and they were looking at trying to improve uh, hospital experience. And the hospital, I believe, I forget which hospital, it could be the Mayo Clinic, they'd set aside you know millions of dollars to implement what IDEO came up with, and and how they're going to improve this this hospital experience. And IDEO go into it and they're thinking and they assemble creative people and they've not got this predefined endpoint, but they're just going to they're going to make a difference. And they come back with these recommendations, and I think I think it costs cents rather than you know tens of millions. And their idea was yeah. So move all the artwork from being on the walls around the side of the clinic and put them on the ceiling because that's where the people in bed are going to see them. Put those wing mirrors that you see on cars on the side of a bed so that when they've been pushed around the clinic, they're going to actually be able to see the other person who's pushing them and feel much more comfortable. Like change the floors so they know when they're going from a private room to a like public room. And it's just like, that's amazing. Like that's just, you, you've not solved a very specific brief there. You've solved like a challenge. And, and that's the journey we're sort of taking clients on of going, we're going to help you solve problems in new ways, but you have to believe in us and you have to believe in the creative You've got to believe in, in, in the journey we're taking you on.
0: Yeah. I, I really love the, that whole, I guess it's a pluralistic approach to problems, you know, and having more of a sort of product experience design perspective on things. And that, um, that hospital Sounds fantastic. There was there was something done a few years ago, well, I say a few years ago, maybe about 10 years ago in Japan. I met this product designer actually, he did something fairly similar in, in Japan. So Japan have a kind of NHS system, right? Like the UK, they gave his company, a sort of pilot and it was called the perfect hospital and they'd done exactly the same they'd basically gone through all the things that make people very scared about hospitals the strip yeah. lighting the floors the beds like the smell and he basically he was showing me and he turned they turned this hospital into what looks like a boutique hotel and they'd worked with materials so even like you know the floors felt like you were work, walking on soft carpets but they were still sterile it was all they used like really interesting materials around wood oak panelling, and they had certain floors as well, so if you 're going to die they'd put you on the top floor, and in the middle of the floor was a library, and all the books were created around death and just you know content and books around trying to help you cope with you know knowing that you're going to pass away relatively quickly. It was really wonderful, the whole thing like the lighting and it was just yeah it was like wow isn't that isn't that amazing
1: could you imagine though if that wasn't the exception. So you know, when we look at the, the the work that wins at your awards and, and the awards around, they're absolutely mega. They're absolutely mega. They're also, and we all know this, they like the exception. They're the, they're the handful of projects in all uh, kind of sea projects that someone does through the course of the year. And I think in loads of ways, that, that's part of my inspiration of going, how do you do that every time? Like, how, how do you do that? like on all those briefs and all
0: those challenges and not go, gosh, do you remember that one project three years ago? <laughs> yeah. It's it's as you say, though, it's like working out what the problem is. I mean, you know, when I was working in agency land and you kind of get this brief, as you say, they, the client wants a leaflet or they want an emailer, I'd rather spend two or three days working out what the question is, you know, or what the problem is. And then once you know what the question is you know what the problem is, normally the solution is pretty close behind. Do you know what I mean? Because you've really sort of stress tested and you're playing devil's advocate with, well, why are we doing this? And who cares? And what are we doing?
1: And I, and I think, you know, I find myself in that fortunate position of being independent and going, I don't have to wake up each day or on a monthly basis go, my biggest problem is like finance. You know, that, that, that is, my biggest problem is doing great work. And that is just so refreshing, and and to be able to be you know part of this agency and going, our biggest problem is solving the problems of healthcare professionals and patients and doing the best work, not the financial financial you know targets. That, that that's quite liberating for me personally.
0: Out of interest, I mean, have you noticed a difference in how clients are sort of interacting with you? As, as at the considered versus when you were at a big holding company?
1: That is a really good question. So I would say no, but I've definitely noticed a change in how I'm engaging with clients. Um hundred percent in that just feel under a lot less pressure and much more liberated and therefore able to be that that little bit more challenging and bold. Um so I would I would say that's been the big difference.
0: And what's the reaction been from them since you've been, you know, been able to be a little bit more forthright and a bit braver, as you say?
1: Well, so we did, you know, did sort of first face-to-face workshop, uh, second actually, uh, just before Christmas. That was, that was really, you know, mad, having been behind Zoom for, you know, two years. Weirdest thing in the world. So I'm about to start. There's like 25 people in the room. This is a true story on my life. About to start. And I've got the clicker in my hand. Literally about to start, and for about two seconds, I'm like, "How on earth? What is the dark magic of how this works on <laughs> my laptop?" I like literally, I obviously <laughs> knew the button made it go forward, but I'm like, "How do, do I need to press something on the?" And, and obviously then I'm like, "Oh no, there's a USB in the end," so I like took it out and like stuck it in. I'm like, "Right, you know, I know what I'm doing now." Um, but but I feel, yeah, I tell you what, I tell you what gets said every single, not every single time, but. Loads and loads. So, when we're speaking to clients, and I've got loads of emails and I get loads of kind of feedback on this, that the common thread and the thing almost universally given as a piece of feedback, and this makes sense, is love your energy, love your passion. Now, I think that's down to the independence, the autonomy, the model we're trying to set up. And, and I think it's just quite liberating for me and the team in the way we're working and how we're positioning ourselves. And I think that manifests itself as just passion and like energy. I think we're at this point where the industry is going to change, like it's going to change in how it works. It kind of has to change. I think everyone in the industry recognizes that and I'm excited to experiment and try and change different things. And for me, honestly, good looks like doing some great work for a handful of clients Surrounded by good people and, and taking pride in, in what we're doing, um, and, and I have no more like lofty ambitions than that. But, but part of me feels to the point I made earlier, to be doing that, having only been in the US for you know, sort of three, four years, in this massive, 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 massive market, you know, with all the challenges that it comes with, you know, I'd be I'd be pretty proud of what you know a kid from Manchester had achieved.
0: Yeah, completely. Completely. Well, you make us very proud, Dave, for all Forgot the sort of Brits over here <laughs> looking looking at what you're doing over there. What do you think are the biggest threats to legacy agencies? Let's call them that right now.
1: Almost almost their own momentum. You know, just just is there a point when someone stops and rebalances and, and really looks at it and go, I understand. The nature of the scale of these relationships. I understand you know, the savings and the discounts and the economy efficiencies, but at what point am I compromising on quality for those efficiencies and, and does this make sense? I, I just feel like every industry ever goes through those inflection points and at some stage that will probably arrive. And that's when hopefully like quality kind of comes to the surface and and that takes place. I think the second challenge is, and I'm not telling you anything no one on this podcast doesn't know, is around around talent. And I just find it mind boggling. People aren't universally going wicked. My talent pool is now, you know, 7.7 billion. And how do I make the most of this? But I read like a really interesting article the other day around like remote working so remote working is wicked for me because i live in a really sunny place and i've got a reasonably nice house i've got a pretty nice study so super cool for me to go like hybrid working and then you know i recognize that people on the team are in stuffed in a kitchen probably with kids screaming in the background and and it and it and it's really different um i think it's a total and utter like waste of time to argue between like should you be in the office should you be out of the office and I don't think it's surprising that people with like long-term commercial leases are going, the office is brilliant, the office is brilliant. Um, for me, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer, and no one's arrived at, at the right conclusion yet. But I know the biggest challenge facing every agency is, is around talent. You see it every single day when everyone posts, join my team, join my team. Um, for me, there is an opportunity to try and embrace a talent pool of $10.7 billion introduce incredible diversity into your thinking i don't know the answer i know that i'm going to experiment and try things much more than most to try and get to a place that goes cool the thing that clients want the most is talent the biggest challenge facing an agency is talent and i'm going to experiment to try and solve that problem
0: yeah i mean it's, it's, it's the current sort of achilles heel right now i mean I th- i've read something today in the, in the in the uk i think they're predicting 64 percent of corporate workers to quit in the next three months, which is kind of crazy. And then you've got the big resignation, obviously, over in the States, when that that, that percentage is over 90%, I think. So, yeah. It, yeah, but it's, it's a, interesting. It's,
1: it, there, there, there are people definitely who who um, want and benefit from being in an office. They're, they're probably at the latter stages of the career and the beginning of the career. I think, you know, there's a familiarity thing and I think there's a coaching thing that's that important. And then there are people who... It just suits them because that—that's the lifestyle they want, and, and I totally like respect that. And then I've got you know a kid for me who's about to go to South Africa for six weeks, and he's going to work there for four weeks. And I'm like, cool, like that's fantastic. Just make sure you 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 stay up a little bit later. Um, but what I'm finding for me is the solutions hybrid. So you know we 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 come together every couple of months for a week. It's mega. Um, we tend to come together around like clients and workshops and pitches. Again, it's mega. And the thing that's even more mega is then you go home and you have the flexibility. So, so you've had those interactions. You've had those kind of benefits. And then you were also going, and this is wicked because, you know, I'm not commuting at the moment. Um, but, um, and, and of course, I'm not spending 20p on every pound or 20 cents on every dollar on bricks and mortar, which is, you know, more creative time and lower costs. But I have to tell you, so I did realise by the way, the reason why, you know, I think working from home has, has benefits. And that's about two weeks ago I was in a WeWork office and I racked my car in the car park. I'm like, I need to post this on LinkedIn. I need to post this on LinkedIn. Like this is why people need to be working from home because bad drivers like me smash smash the car up. No 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 one, no one's talking about that. No one's posting that. For all the bad drivers in the world, this is the benefit
0: where well, you've clearly still got a huge amount of passion for the industry you're going to tear it up you're going to change it and if that means you fail failed a few times you're quite prepared to do that i just love the fact that you can do all of these things because you're free well look dave it's been just wonderful catching up yeah please come back and visit us very soon love to see how it all goes
1: <laughs> well there's de- there's definitely some doubt and that's what makes it super exciting but i totally appreciate the support and just be part of the incredible community you're building and everything you're doing so